Good evening, everyone. It is Saturday, September the 28th, 2019. It is currently 9.03 p.m. Central Time. Let me start with a question. What is the state of Christianity in 2019? What is happening within Christianity in 2019? What is being taught in churches all across the United States of America and what is being taught in churches all around the world? What is being preached from pulpits in churches all around the world and across the United States of America? Now, that's a big question. And for us to really get a grasp on what is happening in Christianity in 2019 would require a major time commitment because we would have to start listening to sermons from all across the United States of America, from city after city, from state after state. We would have to start listening to sermons from countries all around the world, from one country to another country. We would have to pull up what books are being bought and sold, what, what people are reading, what, what, what's happening on Christian radio. It would be a huge undertaking. So tonight, as I was thinking about, hey, what's happening in Christianity in 2019, I came up with what I think is a very good idea. I live here in Abilene, Texas. Now, within Abilene, Texas, we have three Christian universities, a Methodist, a Church of Christ, and a Baptist university. All of them are Christian in name, I would say, but that's okay. Three Christian universities. And well over probably 200 churches. So I started thinking, you know what? I may not be able to do a survey of what's happening in Christianity all across America and all around the world because that's a huge time commitment. But what, what I can do is look into what's happening in Christianity in 2019 right here in the city in which I live, Abilene, Texas. So I'm going to begin by finding sermons that are posted online from churches located here in Abilene, Texas and the surrounding area. Now, for those who may not know, I'm the pastor of Victory Baptist Church, which is located in Ovalo, Texas, which is, you know, uh, south of Abilene, about a 20-minute drive. Um, so, but I live in Abilene, Texas itself. So I can, I can start looking and go, okay, what's happening within Christianity in Abilene? And that can give everyone at least an indication of what's happening in Christianity at large. At least it will give us a smaller sample, one that we can kind of grab onto. And it will probably give you a hint of what's happening within Christianity in the city in which you live. What trends are taking place? What buzzwords are being used that we hear over and over and again? Is there some movement happening? Is there a change in theology? A change. Now, listening to these sermons will give us an indication. So this is what I'm going to do on our church app. Now, for those who, who hear uh, a recording of this somewhere else, if you would like to be able to keep up with everything we're doing, you'll need to get our church app. You can do so by going to the Apple App Store, the Google Play Store, doing a search for VBC, which stands for Victory Baptist Church, VBC 66, so look for VBC 66, run that all together. VBC stand, uh, stands for the name of our church, Victory Baptist Church, 66, the number of books in the Bible. VBC 66, get the app, and I'm going to be uploading sermons from churches here in, in um, Abilene, Texas, up to what we call the Food for Thought section. Now, I'm not going to be posting sermons that I agree with. In fact, I can almost guarantee you that between 80 to 99% of these sermons, I'm going to completely disagree with. Some of them, there'll be some things I agree with, but I'm not posting because of what I agree or disagree with. I'm posting to give us a, an idea of what's happening within Christianity by focusing on one area, one city in, Abil in, in the state of Texas, Abilene, Texas. We're going to look at what's happening here and to, to, to be kind of a, 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 give us a hint of what's happening at large. Now, again, these sermons I'm not going to agree with. There's, these are going to be sermons that at times they may say things that are absolutely heretical. This is going to be your job to listen with discernment and then discuss what you're hearing. Think about it. Consider it. And see if you can get a grasp of what is happening. I think it's important for Christians to know what's happening within Christianity, to know what theological trends are occurring, well, how Christianity is, is, in a sense, 
I hate to use the word evolving, but evolving and changing because you can't deny that Christianity goes through different stages and movements become predominant and they change the, 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 the theology of the church, the teaching of the church, the, 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 the mindset of the church. Um, we can go throughout history and look at these different uh, things that have occurred and different movements that have come about, whether it's seeker-sensitive, emergent church, purpose-driven, all these different things, and they greatly change a church church. By listening to sermons from, from a specific area, we can see what's happening at least here. I think this is going to be an interesting journey. I think we're going to discover a lot. We may, we may find ourselves being shocked and saddened by the state of Christianity in 2019, but I think we already know that it's in. there's a lot of problems within Christianity, but this will be you just hearing. I'm just going to, you know, I, I'm uh, tonight for this first sermon that I'm going to post, I'm going to a church that's literally located, I don't know, five minutes from my house, five minutes. So I'm starting close and I'm just going to, and I'm just going to start going from church to church to church. As long as they've got sermons online, we'll grab one and we'll see. And if we discover something interesting, then I may record some special recordings or, or do something with it, you know, and talk about it again. But the goal is I'll, I'll do a short introduction each time play the sermon unedited unedited uninterrupted so that they that so that their words will be heard in their full context and no one can accuse me of taking them out of their context and then you can listen and make your determination of what is going on all right it's just to give us a sense of what is happening so the sermon i have chosen for this first uh, you know, first uh, sermon in this series, we're going to call this series um, something like what is happening and what is what is the state of Christianity in Abilene, Texas? What is the state of Christianity in Abilene, Texas? And we're going to start with one of the probably most popular churches in Abilene, Texas, one of the biggest, probably one of the most well-known. It is called The Park. It used to be called, called Beltway Park Baptist. Now they kind of just refer to themselves as the park. Um, they're not really, they're not Baptist in, the, in this sense. If, if, we're gonna, if they're going to be considered Baptist, they're Baptist only maybe about maybe what they believe in regards to baptism, maybe and what they believe in regards to eternal security of the believer. Maybe they believe in the autonomy of the local church. Maybe, I'm not even sure how Baptist they really are anymore, but I can guarantee you this. Whatever Baptist they have in them, they have a large amount of charismatic in them. They're more of a charismatic church. They're more of a modern-day evangelical church that is greatly influenced by the charismatic movement because the charismatic movement has infiltrated almost all of the evangelical Protestant world. Um, we, we could talk about that all day. So this, I think it was January of 2019, uh, the park had a conference. So I'm just going to pick the first sermon from this conference. I may post more of them so that we can hear it for ourselves and you can think about it. So we're going to go to Belt Till. I would like I was going to call it Beltway Park. I think that name is still on their sign, but they, they typically refer to themselves as the park. Beltway Park Church located in Abilene, Texas, literally minutes from my house. Um, they have a campus on the south side of town and a campus on the north side of town. Used to be when I tried to go to church on Sunday mornings, I, I couldn't get out of my housing development because there'd be 8,000 cars going to Beltway Park. But now that they opened the north campus, the traffic is a lot less. But um, very big church. You know, uh, uh, most everyone in this city knows of the church um, and we could talk all day about it. Um, I mean, if you're into the charismatic movement, then okay. If you care about theology and you're against the charismatic movement, which I obviously am opposed to the charismatic movement, then obviously I would be opposed to this church. So I'm not going to agree with the sermon or what they do at this conference, but you can hear it for yourself. All right, here we go. I hope you will stay. I hope you will listen. I hope you will continue to check the VBC 66 app in the food for thought section. I hope the members of Victory Baptist Church will listen to these sermons and talk about them. And let's get a sense of what's happening. And wherever you live, 
You can do your own survey of the city in which you live. And in fact, if you want me to, you give me the name of your city and maybe we could do it next. We could look at the what's happening in the churches in your city. You can email me at newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. Give me the name of your city and I can start looking for the churches there and post some of them. And we'll see. We'll see if it leads to any conversations or discussions. But let's begin by going to the park. Abilene, Texas. This is from a conference that occurred occurred at this church in January. Remember, I definitely don't agree with this sermon. I don't agree with pretty much anything this church believes. I would strongly, so I'm going to ask you to listen with discernment. Think carefully. Is what they're saying biblical? Is what they're saying logical? Do they contradict themselves uh, biblically, logically, theologically. Can you identify what's, what, 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 what theological stream they're in? Can you identify, as you listen to these sermons, pick up trends, pick up ideas, movements? Do you get a sense of what is happening in Christianity in 2019? Here is the sermon. Listen carefully. Give me your feedback. Again, you can email me at newsif at yahoo.com. So here we go. Let's go to the park. January 2019, they're having a conference, and I believe this was the first message preached at that conference. Listen carefully. Every year for a number of years, we've hosted what we call the Word Spirit Power Conference. We stole the name from the guys who actually did it because we brought the guys in. And that's what we do. We bring these gentlemen in that have been coming to our church since 2002. They're fathers to our church. Jack Taylor, Charles Carlin, and R.T. Kendall. Um, I hate to say that this year, RT, due to scheduling conflicts, um, people have asked about his health and all that. He's plenty healthy, thriving, um, doing the work of the Lord, but due to the scheduling conflicts and miscommunication, he's not going to be able to be with us. But we've got a, another man who's going to come, who's going to impart, I uh, promise you, just as strong. I'm so excited. Jack Taylor and Charles Carran. Jack and Charles are modeling for us how to finish the race in Jesus. Jack is 85 years old, Charles is 88, and I'm just telling you, every time I'm around them, they're telling me about what they're learning in Jesus and how Jesus is growing them. That's what I want to do. For every day the Lord has me on this earth, I want to grow in him. And then Jack specifically has been imparting to a a young man, and I love the fact they called him young because he's my age. Yeah, he's 52 years old, and through an event that happened about 20 years ago that uh, Leif's going to tell you about, Leif Hetland, a Baptist pastor from Norway, was stirred of the Holy Spirit, and God has put a favor on his life that is astounding and has seen seven-digit salvations in places of the world that you would never expect to see it. Yeah, some of you are counting digits, how many that is. It's over a million people that have come to know Lord in some of the most unlikely places on planet earth. God's doing something. I want in on it. I want to be a part of it. Here's the reason we do what we do. We bring guests in because we feel like that often God gives to us through the guest something that we need to receive. If you receive a prophet, Matthew says, in an honorable way, you receive a prophet's reward. The idea is if we receive with open hearts and God has something he wants to give to us. And so we purpose as leaders to bring in men and women who can impart to us so that we can live out the mission that God has given to us, that we want to help as many people as we can in the big country and beyond to take their next steps with Jesus. And so I am so, so excited that these guys are with us. And so what they're doing do is each one of them is going to share. They'll tell a little bit about themselves. Jack Taylor is going to start us off. Then Charles and Leif is going to wrap us up. What I want you guys to do is give them the honor, the reception that they do. Would you stand to your feet and would you welcome these gentlemen, both campuses right now. Tell them how glad you are that they're here. Jack Taylor, would you come up, please? Hi, it's good to be here. It really is. You get in the habit of saying that, but it's really, really good to be. At my age, it's good to be anywhere. And it's good to be, yeah, it's just good to be. I'm glad that life is with us. I'm sorry that RT is not. I'm not taking his place in the first position, but nobody can take his place. Nobody wants his place. He is great. You're going to enjoy uh, one of my longest uh, relationships as father and son, Leif Hetland. 
and I'll not tell you much about him. You'll know so much about him when you hear him. My son brought me up here, my only begotten, not really, because I have a son in heaven, a Terry Ray, but Tim is my only son. Are you ready? God is at this moment looking for new ways to bless you. He will do almost anything to get your attention. Sometimes what looks like a breakthrough favors a breakdown. So in the midst of something that maybe is more serious than anything you've gone through, it means that God has a bigger blessing than you've ever had before. We never have the right to say, this is as good as it gets now. This is not as good as it gets. It's good, but it's not as good as it gets. What kind of mood do you suppose God is in? Well, you say he's always in a good mood. Yeah, I think so. But I think today what I sense is that as never before in your life, God is ready for an upgrade in your life. It probably lies at or nearby what you perceive is your greatest pain, greatest sorrow, greatest expectation, or your greatest deficiency. Is, uh, is one of those resident in your life? Just start praising the Lord for it and say, Lord, I think I'm ready, and the sooner the better. Let me quote my text and uh, then share with you some thoughts. Matthew eleven twenty seven reveals always the mood of Jesus. He said, come unto me. He knew that there was no question unanswered when it came to him. No need that could not be met. No deficiency that could not be supplied. No problem that could not become a blessing and a praise. And I want, I want you to get ready this week because I believe God is super ready and will, in our midst, do something in the now that will absolutely define your life for the next years to come. Come unto me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now look, you're not getting that just by saying, oh, that is a wonderful, wonderful statement. That's a wonderful truth to be thinking about. Now, you get it when you get it. You get it when it becomes yours. You get it when your will meets his willingness, when his love meets your reception. So get in a receptive mood. Just say, I'll, I'll take it, you know? Just, just go ahead and say, I'll take it. Oh, you'll take it? Is that all? Say it again. I'll take it. I'll Say it loud. Okay, you got it. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to make it as clear as God will let me. There's another verse that sort of matches this, that sort of rings something in my ear in Revelation. I wouldn't say that John figured he was in a good place. I don't know what it looks like there, but I... I'm sure it's a forlorn and forsaken place. But he heard from heaven, he heard from Jesus, the same voice that speaks to us here. And this is what he said. Come up here, and I'll show you things that must take place after this. When you get the comeuppance of Jesus, you're in business. You never saw such a firestorm, such a blessing of of avalanches of truth as revelation uh, is spoken and happens to John. I, I, I read it through the other day, 
in the Passion Translation. And I, when I was through, I, I figured I could have gone duck hunting with a rake. I mean, it was, it, I was so high. God wants to do something in you. Are you hearing me? All right, hear it again. Come unto me. Come up here, and I'll show you. I want you to do that today. The door's open, and God's ready. Now, let me say this to you. There are always to be seasons, maybe moments, when you start asking questions you've forgotten the answers to. Where am I? Who am I? What am I up to? How is my progress in spiritual life? God, what do you think of me? What is my, what is my spiritual level at the moment? And by the way, Lord, has, has my estimation of your might Lord any? Do I expect from you what I used to expect? Have I, have I forsaken anything that you've told me, anything you've revealed to me? And by the way, Lord, would you mind telling me what all this is, what is going on? What in the world is going on? What does it mean? And you know, God won't answer all those questions, but he'll answer the ones that count, the, one that, the ones that are closest to all that he wants to do. And I really feel like, and I felt it, I felt like it the last few days. These have been days when I've been places where I used to be. And uh, I've, I started weeping. That was, that's my love language, and that's my complaining language, and that's my sick language, and that's every language. I figured that'll cover it, and so I just weep. Took uh, my first wife to the revival in Toronto, and she laughed, and I wept. And we took a, we took a retired space scientist with us, and he fell. And so we had falling, uh, weeping, and laughing. I don't know what yours is, but get ready because God is moving. And any question you ask, he'll either answer or give you a better answer because you didn't know the question you should be asking in the first place. Does that make sense to you? I've never said that before. Let me bring another thought to you before I leap into about three minutes of the outline of my message. Dear Lord, I, these are the fastest 12 minutes I've ever spent in my life. Look, a million years from this moment, you will still be asking questions. You will still be growing. You will still be learning. You know why? Because the God we serve and the Christ we met and the spirit we enjoy are infinite. This is an infinite God. You can't know him fully. He is beyond the, the, the fullest. He's beyond the maximum. The immediacy of it is impressive, but the ultimacy of it never ends because it is a continuum. I mean, uh, hey, a million years from now, I, I, my wife gave me one of those T-shirts that have kingdom man on it. I liked it. So I had her buy me another. And then we ordered two more, lest I get accused of smelling with just one. And uh, I've had more opportunities to witness. And people will say, what does that mean? I saw, and I have a different, you know, I go off on one and maybe number two or three. I say, well, it means I'm a representative of the greatest enterprise ever known in this universe, an enterprise that is so great that everybody who wants in it can get in it. I've been in it 70 years, 74 years, and, and I've never been disappointed. And by the way, when it happened, I got forgiven of every sin I've ever committed and every sin I ever will commit. I got a, I got a certified citizenship in, in the kingdom that will never die. By the time I'm through, I get high. Hey, have one ready so that when they ask, your answer will be ready. Get a dozen answers. There'll be more than that for you. Now look at it again. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. The only place to learn 
maximum in time and content is to take his yoke and acknowledge that as you dance with him, he is the lead always. Jesus is Lord. He doesn't fit well anywhere else. So declare him to be Lord of your life. Take my yoke, learn of me. He said previously, and I remember, come unto me. The coming to him is a place of rest. And when he says come up, it's always up to him. He doesn't look down on you, but he says come up. There is a higher place still. You can be better. And he promises, you shall find rest unto your soul. Now listen, every once in a while, more times than not, we get a notice on our emails, your upgrade is now confirmed. We like that because we like the first class better just for a dozen reasons. And you got a problem if you don't. Look at me, here's the good news. Your upgrade is now confirmed. Say, I'll take it. Thank you. <laughs> it is a privilege again to be with you. Thank you for that. I felt earlier when I was praying about this meeting that the Holy Spirit told me that I was to speak and share on the subject of anointing. And I'm glad. Number one, I like to know in advance and God not to dangle me over the edge. Uh, the lights to be turning on and I'm not ready. I remember once I was preaching in Nashville, Tennessee. I had, it was a flat line. I had absolutely nothing to share. My wife said to me years ago, well, can't you just fake it? And I said, no. But at this meeting in Nashville, I kept saying, God, what am I going to share? What am I going to preach? What is it going to be? Flatline, nothing, nothing. And I remember the pastor was up announcing me as the speaker and said, Charles, come. Well, I wanted to hide under my chair. But the minute I stood, God gave me the word. And it was his word. And I was especially grateful for that. And so when I get a word, such as this one, that my part is to talk to you about the anointing, I'm very grateful for that. And I'm going to be reading <clears throat> in 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 10. And this has to do with the anointing of King Saul. But before I read it, I want to share this fact with you regarding the anointing. In 1900, there was probably less than 1% of the Latin American world was evangelical. Uh, that part of the world had been Catholic for many, many decades, centuries. And in 1954, God sent a young American evangelist to Argentina to preach. And God used him <laughs> under the anointing to uncork Latin America. So that from probably in 1900, there being less than 50,000 evangelicals in the whole of Latin America, Mexico to the tip of Argentina, today there's over 100 million because of the anointing. It wasn't because of education. Thank God for that. It wasn't because of good gospel singing. Thank God for that. It wasn't because of intelligent, bright, entertaining preachers. Thank God for that. The fact was the anointing fell. 1954 in Argentina, and I'll tell you the name of the pastor in a minute, whom God used. 
But the power was so violently strong that it today is still continuing. There's a church in Bogota, Colombia, for example, now with over one million members in Bogota. And they're building, may have finished it by now, a stadium out on the mountainside that will seat one million people. Now, that's the anointing. Thank God for education. Thank God for good music. Thank God for eloquent preaching. That will not do it. Listen to this. Then Samuel, the prophet, took a flask of oil and poured it on Saul's head and kissed him <laughs> and said, Is it not because the Lord has anointed you commander over his inheritance? When you have departed from me today, you will find two men by Rachel's tomb in the territory of Benjamin at Zelzah, and they will say to you, The donkeys which you went to look after, which had been lost, have been found. Now your father is more worried about you. And then Samuel gives a detailed list of specific experiences that are going to happen to Saul. Uh, Non-consequential act things, actually. But he does that because he wants Saul to realize when each of these happen and you see them, and I've already told you about them, you're going to realize what I'm saying to you is valid and real. And so then Samuel tells him this. After that, you shall come to the hill of God where the Philistine garrison is, and it will happen when you have come there that the, the city will meet you, out of the city will meet you a group of prophets coming down from the high place with a stringed instrument, a tambourine, a flute, and a harp before them, and they will be prophesying. Now, here's the text. Then the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you. <laughs> the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you, and you will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. The old you, Saul, is not going to survive the anointing. And you're going to be glad. And the same is true of us today. We may be ever so happy and contented in our lifestyles, which probably we're not. But even if we were, that is not going to compare to the person we become once the anointing of the Holy Spirit has come upon us. Because what the anointing of the Holy Spirit does is to leap over. Please hear this. It is to leap over that collection of failure and inadequacies and wrong thinking that have characterized your entire life. The Holy Spirit, by His pure grace, will leap over all of that. You may have uh, been the worst drug addict on the planet. You may have had five failed marriages. You may have accidentally killed somebody. You may have been the biggest failure in your own knowledge, but the anointing of the Holy Spirit will leap over all of that. Do you hear me? There is no failure in humanity but what the anointing of the Holy Spirit can get beyond that, start a new life, blind the past, wipe it out, and in the power of Almighty God, make a new person out of you. That is the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Now, you say, well, what does that have to do with Latin America? I can tell you what it has to do with Latin America. It's the anointing that broke the yoke in Latin America. It's the anointing of the Holy Spirit 
that is setting so many captives free, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. It's not religion. It's not one denomination competing with another and saying they're all wrong and we're all right. That's baloney. Now, that's not a good theological word, but I'm going to say it anyway. That's baloney. There is no perfect group because we are still humanity. We are still in the flesh. We are still in need of the grace of God. But the anointing, the anointing in Latin America and other parts of the world is what has caused 100 million or more people to come to Christ. Thank God for that. It's the anointing on life that opens the door in the parts of the world where he goes with the phenomenal ministry that he has there. Thank God for the anointing. Well, my question to you is, do you want the anointing? You say, well, I don't want to preach. You don't have to preach. But if you're a mother, if you're a wife, if you're a school teacher, or whatever your vocation may be, you want the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Nothing, nothing ever can supersede the power of the anointing of the Holy Spirit in your life. That's God's gift of himself into you. All human failure, all human ignorance, all of it is superseded when the anointing of the Holy Spirit comes. And the church as a body desperately needs the anointing of the Holy Spirit. That's it. Life comes. How is it? Well, there's a, <laughs> I don't know if it's the anointing or the step here, but uh, wow. it just creates within me such a hunger and thirst. Could you feel that? Uh, there's, there's just how many of you know that there is something more? And, and I just realizing in my own life, uh, even just listening to Papa talking about the upgrade. And is there anyone here that would like an upgrade in your life? I think that what God is about to do is to give us an upgrade in his love. We're going to get it. So when we're getting comfortable with love, we get comfortable with God because God is love. And the area in our life that we are not comfortable with love and where there's love deficiency, we start to look for love in the wrong places. And I do believe we're going to have a fresh baptism of love these days. And then we're going to be plugged into the very power of God. And we're going to get an upgrade in power and an upgrade in wisdom. How would it look like with sons and daughters and, and sons and daughters of glory that is full of his love, full of his power, and full of his wisdom, reflecting who Papa is. And when they are looking at us, they're going to see who our Father is. And what I love about Jesus, he said, all I do is uh, what I see my Father do. And all I say is what I hear my Father say. And I was just uh, watching you worshiping for a moment. I just felt the Holy Spirit whisper and say, just look at my sons and daughters. And as I was looking around in the room and looking at your faces, I could see the face of Papa God. It was almost like, that's my son. That's my girl. And it just overwhelmed me when I was just looking at the Father's face, looking at his sons and daughters. Sons and daughters of glory. And so I'm very, very much privileged of being here and a little sensitive right now in the Holy Spirit because just yesterday before I came here, we just sent out about 50,000 posters in a country in the Middle East where they have very little Jesus. And we told them in the stadium event that Jesus is going to be in that stadium. And we told them also when you're coming to that stadium, you're going to meet Jesus. And when Jesus shows up, good things happen. 
And so we announced also for people to bring the blind and the deaf and the mute and, and, and to bring the paralyzed and, and what we are trusting and believing in. And I want you to pray for us, uh, leaving in a month from today, to a couple of different countries in the Middle East. Uh, but I've seen it over and over again. It is so beautiful to watch that when Jesus shows up. And, and for me as a Baptist pastor, and I could just feel that in my heart, that I was so hungry and thirsty for something more. I lost a couple of church members to cancer and realizing that the Jesus I was reading about in the Bible, somehow I felt in my own life that I didn't have that power. I knew what the promises said. So what had happened in my life, I started to lower my expectancy level because if I didn't expect too much, it led, I, I, if I didn't have much hope and, and if I didn't expect much, I wouldn't have these disappointments. But I, I realized this day when I heard that there was something more in a similar event like this. I came there together with a group of pastors in a leadership meeting. June 6, 1995, my life as a Baptist pastor, Norwegian Baptist pastor. I know that's a miracle in itself, especially in a Lutheran country. But as Randy Clark, similar what is happening here, shared some story. Uh, I walked up front, and in that meeting, he just, and he started to pray for me. And he said something. He said, you are a bulldozer. And I'm thinking, no, I'm a Baptist pastor. I didn't know much about prophecy. And he started to say, you're going to go into the darkest places in the world where the gospel has never been before. And the next moment, I experienced this power that came upon me, this electricity, and then it was fire. And for the next two hours, it was electricity and fire, electricity and fire. And eventually, a little over two hours later, uh, I was transformed. And God had just totally, totally rewired me. And I still remember six months later, I was in Pakistan, in a meeting in Pakistan, and it was that late that night that I just realized, because I thought I was about to get killed as a group of Muslims was coming towards us, but instead the presence of Jesus just showed up. And what I realized that that person that was in the middle there, they had carried him to the meeting quadriplegic. And for 12 years, the person had been quadriplegic, saw the posters, and a friend put him on the top of a bus, and they took him to the meeting. And when he showed up at the meeting, the presence of Jesus in the meeting just started to touch him. And the friends watched their friend just getting totally healed. So when they actually came up on the stage shouting, they were actually shouting Jesus. And, and something changed in me that day. I've never been the same when this person came up and he testified the injury he had had 12 years ago and testified that Jesus is alive. I just received Jesus. And I'm going to show some videos both tonight and the other night, mainly also just to encouraging us because I do believe we're living in the greatest time that the world has ever seen. How many of you uh, need a breakthrough in any area of your life? Okay, that's very, very good. <laughs> for some of you that didn't raise your hand, I want you to pray for me afterwards. Uh, because I do, I do need a breakthrough. And there are some areas in my life. And, and it is totally possible to have been with Jesus and to have spent time with Jesus being a believer of Jesus and still being overwhelmed by circumstances that is going on. How many of you have experienced that? And for me, this was right after some of those breakthroughs, there were some breakdowns. I've had a body cast, uh, nine months in a body cast, but just I've had all these attacks. And this was one of those, a major attack of fear. And whatever overwhelms you starts to shape you. And so there was these scripture verses, and I still remember we're kind of locked on in my hotel room. There's been mass terrorism that was going on, and I was so overwhelmed by fear. And I didn't realize that what was actually taking place, whatever was overwhelming me, was shaping me in this atmosphere. And then I remember the scripture verses, and if we open up our Bible to, and this is going to be a very quick outline of this, but Matthew, excuse me, Matthew chapter 20, Matthew chapter 20. And let's just take a few, excuse me, John chapter 20. And I'm, I'm getting some help here. John chapter 20. I think it is all good. So, And we're reading from verse 19 to 23. Then the same day at evening, say same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews. Say fear. Jesus came and he stood in the midst and said, peace, peace be with you. 
And when he said that, he showed them his hands and his side. And the Bible says, and the disciples were glad when they saw it was the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, peace, peace be with you. As the Father have sent me, I also send you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said, receive, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of Annie, they are forgiven them. And if you retain the sins of Annie, they are retained. Can you say amen? So here we are seeing this situation. These disciples have been hanging around with Jesus for over three years. They had all these promises over their life. And in a matter of moments, they are locked up in this room that is just filled with fear. And I don't know if you've ever been in that circumstance that in a moment you get the phone call. Something happens and you're just getting overwhelmed. And I just, that this was one of those things that happened with me and I believe I wanted to share with you. In that moment at our room, we just invited the presence of Jesus. In this room in Lahore, Pakistan, my hotel room, just got filled with the presence of Jesus. These disciples, Jesus didn't have to knock on the door. The Bible says they had shut the door because of fear of the Jews. The same that happened to Jesus, they were afraid it's going to happen to them. But Jesus didn't have to knock on the door because he is the door. He just filled that room with his presence. Say his presence. His presence changes everything. If you have his presence, you have everything. If you have everything and you don't have his presence, you have nothing. And that's why it is so beautiful that we're coming in and just hosting his presence, being aware of the presence of the Holy Spirit, being aware of the presence of Jesus. And the second thing, he released his peace. And some of us, we just need an upgrade in peace like we talked about earlier. He says, peace be on you. From receiving, say receiving. From receiving his presence, they received his peace. He says, peace be on you. Peace be to your mind. Peace be to your body. Peace. He spoke peace into the atmosphere. And from the peace, when you're in peace, then he showed them his hands and his sides. And I love this because it's a beautiful sign, a covenant sign. What Jesus showed his disciples, whatever is your issue, whatever problem you have in this room or in your life, I am. When he showed them his hands and his said, I am. I am your healer. I am your freedom. I am your sufficiency. I am your joy. I am your freedom. Whatever you're going through in life, when you're receiving his presence, his peace, look at his provision. He shows you his hands on his side. In that hotel room that day, when I looked at his hands on his side, I just got overwhelmed by his provision. And then from that provision, they received an upgrade in passion. The Bible says, they became glad. Is there anybody here that needs an upgrade in passion and joy? So that the joy of the Lord would be our strength. They just now became glad. And from the passion in the next moment, he gave them double for their trouble. The only thing they got double of was peace. He says, peace on you. And then he said, now, as the Father have sent me, I also send you. And then he gave them a new purpose. And with that new purpose, they received a new power. So he, said, he breathes on them and says, receive, receive, receive the Holy Spirit. And then he said, if you forgive the sins of Annie, they will be forgiven. But if you retain the sins of Annie, they will be retained. Something has changed. They got a new paradigm. Just say it with me. Say presence. Say peace. Provision. Passion. Peace. Purpose. Power. Paradigm. The paradigm is now the lens is how we see things is going to change. Now, you get to represent me. If you forgive the sins of Annie, your view towards the Muslim you're going to see has all to do with how they're going to be treated. Because you only have authority over what you love. So, Father, I just want to release over every single one of us that we're going to be so overwhelmed by your love that nothing else can shape us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, tell us your You didn't speak but five minutes. I felt like it. <laughs>
To which you're probably saying it'd be nice if all of them could share a little longer, which is what we're going to do tonight. <laughs> Some, and then Monday night and Tuesday night. And I can't encourage you strongly enough. You want to be here 6.30. This campus, South Campus, both our campuses will come together. We will have children's ministry available, birth through fifth grade. There's going to be a lot of ministry going on to your kids uh, as well as in here. And at the end of each of the sessions tonight, we'll have ministry time where our guests can lay hands, pray prophesy, whatever the Lord might have for us. I want you to come. Nothing will be forced on you. I promise you that. I just want you to come with an expectancy to receive. Amen? Let's stand. What we're going to do is have our prayer partners down here, and if you need any prayer about anything whatsoever, we want to pray for you. If you raise your hand and said, I'm in a storm, we, our prayer partners want to pray into that. We have some specific things we felt like we heard, like we heard the name Lewis. We don't know if it's a first name or a surname, um, but we just sense there's a, a, that you're one of God's mighty ones that's in hiding. And we want to draw that out. We feel like there's something the Lord wants to do. Those who feel like you've been in a battle, but you have no weapons. It's like you're overpowered, which is a lie. And we want to pray into that with you. Someone suffering with a fractured right elbow that has affected the growth plate. Someone with fear of relationships. Someone with an Achilles heel injury. The name Peter. Um, you have a desire for direction. We feel like God's hearing your desire to have direction in your life. We want to pray into that. Um, some of us have some fear of what you might experience or see at the conference, even spoken the words, this is not for me. I uh, feel like there is something that is for you, and we want to pray into that with you if you'd let us. The picture of somebody in a boat in storm water, someone feels tossed about, um, and you want God to steal the waters, and we feel like he's going to do that. So those are just some of the things we felt like we're supposed to pray into. We've given ourselves a little bit of time here, so you do in no way have to feel like you have to rush out of here. Our prayer partners, I promise you, they're not in a hurry to get out. Their greatest disappointment is when people don't come due to time uh, or the thought of time that wouldn't come and receive prayer. They want to linger with you, and they want to pray into what the Lord has. Okay? Let's put our hands out in front of us. It's a posture of receiving. And let's just pray and receive the Lord's blessing. Father, I pray that you would bless and keep us your people and make your face shine upon us. Not so that we could consume the blessings upon ourselves. We, we, we speak the opposite of that. That just as we receive with open hand, we give with open hand. Trusting that you will always provide all that we need to give. Bless us and keep us and make your face shine upon us that your ways may be known on the earth your salvation among the peoples of the earth. May the peoples of the earth praise you, O oh God, because of the way we, your people, know you and live for you. We ask, B'Shem Yeshua HaMashiach, Sar Shalom, in the name of Jesus the Messiah, Prince of Peace. God's people said, amen. Strength and courage be with you guys. We'll see you back tonight, 6.30, right here. God bless.